rising on an emerging generation of kings. this morning but I came with an announcement of a new season in your life that amen sounds like it needs a mega boost God is not lucid but is my boost God is about to boost somebody's visibility God is about to boost somebody's energy for some of you, what you're going to experience during the service and after the service is that you just have this profound energy that will become organic. It's not going to be something you have to work up. God is installing a power base in somebody's soul. There will be such a bust of energy. And it's not going to be pretentious or something you have to hide or try to work up. It will just bust through your smile, through your voice, through your words. For some of you, the ministry of angels will envelope you. Your physical body will receive relief and healing in the name of Jesus. For many people, the questions of your heart will be answered this morning. For many people, the things that you've been trusting God to be able to possess, you will literally be able to see the three steps that will guide you to those things. If it's not you, it's okay to keep on sitting down and looking blue. But if it's you, I'm going to look at somebody and say, I'm not Bala Blue. Tell that person I'm led by God. I'm entering into my new season. I'm stepping into mega strife. Volume. Mega strife. I'm entering into significant dimensions in God. I dominate my space. I enter with authority, audacity, tenacity, intentionality. I refuse to be downtrodden and discouraged. I'm empowered by God. My face is set as a flint. I know what to do, where to go. I am running not on bunny batteries, but on God batteries. If that's you, give God praise this morning. Maybe seated, but let your spirit be standing. First Samuel chapter 17, 48 to 58. It's a long text. It's a long read, but we'll just, you know, sit and read. It's the Indian part of me. It's quite a long read, but we'll reference other parts of the story as we go along. I don't know why, it just always seems I didn't get to send my outline to the media, so I'm trying to do that right now. All right, I'm going to let you have it. Okay, let's go. I read alone for time's sake, but please follow with your heart and your spirit. So it was when the Philistine arose and came and drew near to meet David, that David hurried and ran toward the army to meet the Philistines. He wasn't running away from the opposition. He was running in the direction of the opposition. Why? Because your promotion and your opposition are in the same direction. Your opposition and your promotion are in the same direction. The implication of that is that anytime you're running away from your opposition, you're actually running away from your 
promotion. Anytime you're running away from the problems, you're running away from the platform for your purpose. Because God delights in turning the problems in your life into platforms for his power. The problems in your life, the challenges, the difficulties, the things that look like you can break through, you can get through, you can crack through. Those are the very things that God wants to use to display his power. Please high five somebody till their faces change and tell that person your problem is his platform. Some of you did not even say with any conviction of a preacher, you have to learn to preach on pastor's behalf sometimes because you can touch that person. I can't touch everybody, but you can touch the person on my behalf and God's behalf and touch that person until they smile or there's more hope on their faces. Yes, and tell that person that problem in your life right now is a platform for God to display his power. Say, don't run away from it. Run towards it. The Philistine, the giant, arose and came and drew near to meet David. David Horrid ran toward the army to meet the Philistine. Verse 49, let's make it quick. Okay. Then David put his hand in his bag and took out a stone. And he slung it and struck the Philistine in his forehead. And he fell on his face to the earth. Some giants will fall before you. So David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone. And struck the Philistine and killed him. But there was no sword in the hand of David. Therefore David ran and stood over the Philistine. Took his sword and drew it out of its sheath. And killed him. And cut off his head with it. And when the Philistines saw that their champion. The Philistines saw that their champion was dead. They fled. <laughs> Now the men of Israel and Judah arose and shouted and pursued the Philistines as far as the entrance of the valley and to the gates of Akron, which was a major city in, the, in Philistia. And the wounded of the Philistines came or fell along the road to Sharaim. Even as far as Gath and Ekron, then the children of Israel returned from chasing the Philistines and they plundered their tents. That means they took their wealth. They possessed their possession. They took over their substance. After this battle that you are facing right now, blessings will be gathered in bundles. I'm not really sure if somebody is really ready. I'm not talking about a complacent, quiet, tired, anxious person. I'm talking about somebody who's going through a lot right now, but they are refusing to allow that lot to go through them. Somebody who's going through a lot, but they know that there is a lot of blessings on the other side of those lot. That they will not need to play the lottery to possess their lot in God. That this is a definite prophetic moments in your life and in your destiny that after this battle after this bill after this disgrace after this delay after this shame after this reproach after this opposition you are going to bring in the harvest in bundles you are going to bring in the souls in thousands and millions and billions you're going to bring in the results back to back to back to back you're going to bring in the testimonies one after another after another 
another because you've had a long streak of helplessness and hopelessness and fatigue but there is about to come a new season and a new dimension where people will say Imakris are you the only person testifying you are literally entering into a place John Benedict where people who never used to pay attention to you will say we never knew he was that gifted we never knew he had that opportunity because all of a sudden in one day Kenneth David turns from being a shepherd boy that was carrying bread and butter baskelebe or how did he used to say it and that boy becomes the national hero he does not take a year or a decade for God to shift your status in the culture and I sense that kings we are on the verge of a shift that is about to move us from a 300 400 500 member church to a 5,000 member I sense it so much in my spirit because it gets dark as just before the break of dawn I've come to learn something in God that victory is always reserved for the man who does not give up for the one who does not give up there is always the breaking of dawn if it can stay long enough until the tides turn until the clouds are dissipated one day it's going to be 6 a.m. and you're going to see the brilliant light of God's visibility dawning upon the landscape of your soul I don't know who this word is for but I preach it to you as I preach it to myself that David you've been in the backside for so long you are about to get national attention you are about to get national interest with your little post on TikTok with your little video on Instagram with your little white paper that makes you look like a joker with your little counseling practice your therapy your educational consult your consultant in the government or in the bank or your civil service or your little farm in Ekbe or Ikorodu you better get ready for the unveiling get ready for the coronation get ready for the announcement get ready for the amplification Jesus was once in a manger but he didn't die there Noah was once unknown but he didn't die there David was once behind sheep but he did not die there you have come in you are coming into a season where what you thought would define you for the rest of your life is about to release you into the best of your life what you thought was going to define you what you thought was all that there was to you God is breaking that as a shell it was only a shell to keep you preserved in a moment it was only a shell to develop your muscle and to develop your tolerance and your endurance but weeping may endure for a night but here you kings joy comes in the morning help me prophesy to seven people particularly those who still have the long face like precious over there and tell the person joy is coming you better rehearse for joy you better get ready for joy if you're sitting down you are wrong you better get out of your seat and help me look for somebody and preach hope and life into them tell them I smell joy coming your way you've cried for a long time you've wept for a long time you've almost been weary but get ready for joy 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 shout joy shout mega you must descend your prophetic moments let me tell you one of the signs of a prophetic moment you will look like you've run out of everything one of the signs that you are close to it is exhaustion but I taught you last year Gideon the Bible says exhausted yet in pursuits 
The person who wins the race is the one that can keep on running after they are tired. It's amazing how we forget that one of the most recurrent expressions of Jesus in the last book of the Bible, he that is faithful to the end, because everybody can be faithful at the beginning. The beginning is fresh. It's hunky-dory. The tank is full. The money is there. The business plans look perfect. But somewhere between the beginning and the end, life will test you. But somebody you're getting a boost this morning. You know how you're playing the video game and Sonic eats the coins or the character takes in a fireball and they grow bigger. You are about to grow bigger. You're about to eat a faith mushroom. You're about to eat a, a glory coin. You are ingesting grace infusion where your energy is about to come bigger and longer. You might not be a great man, take it, but you're a great man, take it. Energy, energy, energy. Come on, somebody. High five your neck. Neighbor, shout energy. Tell that person mega moves. Can you make a mega move in the spirit as you take a step? See yourself in the spirit, larger than life, bigger than your obstacles, stronger than your opposition, more enduring than resistance. I will wear out every opposition in my pathway. I have decided unto God, under God, that my destiny is a global destiny. No local problem will stop me. Who's with me on that one? You have to make a decision. My life will count in time for eternity and as a model to generations. The opposition has come to announce you to your promotion. The word says that when that happened, of Israel returned from chasing the Philistines and they planted their tents. Look at verse 54. Let me show you something I'll teach. And David took the head of the Philistine and brought it to Jerusalem. But he put his armor in his tent. Verse 54. Verse 55 rather. When Saul saw David going out against the Philistine, he said to Abner, Abner, the commander of the army, Abner, whose son is this NYSE guy? Listen, students and NYSE youth coppers, God is about to do some stunning things with your life. Those of you on your early 20s, you're about to get blessings that people usually get in their 40s. That amen sounds like it's for Corey's Park because you, if I were you, I'll be jumping, I'll be running, I'll be tossing. I'm saying that God is about to give you double promotion. 22, 23, 24, handling millions of naira, taking responsibility for hundreds of souls. Abner, whose son is this youth? And Abner said, as your soul lives, O king, even me, I don't know. Abner was the commander of the army, but he did not know who God had used to deliver the whole nation. Some of you are not in the system, but you will be the carrier of the solution. <laughs> God said, I am planting covert agents in mega industries. 
you will be like a sleeper agent. Who's a sleeper agent? A sleeper agent is typically undetected, unknown, unsuspected. But it's the person that gets the intelligence required to turn things around. God is about to plant you in certain places. For some of you, the wealth that God has for you will not even come from what you are doing right now. What you're doing right now is to develop your competence and your capacity and your character and your faithfulness to be positioned in the line of certain conversations that will change your generation forever. It will be said that you were in a place because you were faithful and you heard something. And that thing that you heard will change your life forever. This may not be for everybody, but if it's for you, you better claim it. There's a dimension of destiny that is very personal. See, there are services where people may be looking a certain way, but you look a different way. And the reason you're looking a different way is because it's reaching you in a different dimension. The day that Billy Graham got saved, it was said that I was the only one that got saved. The preacher thought he, he had failed because it was a multi-day crusade. Billy Graham was the only one that got saved. But Billy Graham is the one to whom is attributed the highest number of salvation decisions. I wonder what is behind your disappointment. I wonder what it is. Can I propose to you? There is this appointment behind your disappointment. Paul, you make another move to discover it. You know, when you discover something, you diss the cover. Something that is covering it, boom, you remove it. The word says that I'm not said, I don't even know who this is. Somebody who is currently nameless and faceless is about to steal the show. <laughs> the commander did not even know. He said, as, as your soul is, but I'll show you a bigger mystery there. Look at verse 55, 56, I'll show you a bigger mystery. So the king said, inquire whose son this young man is. Verse 57, then as David returned from the slaughter of the Philistine, Abner took him and brought him before Saul with the head of the Philistine in his hand. Go on. And Saul said to him, whose son are you, young man? So David answered, I am the son of your servant, J.C. the Bethlehemite. This is the mystery, and I think somebody will shout on this one. This is the mystery of this verse. Do you know that about 10 verses earlier, about 12 or 15 verses earlier, David had literally appeared before Saul. And Saul had given him the armor. So what is happening between then and now? A mega move changed the way David was perceived. Somebody didn't hear what I just said. That people who saw him a few minutes earlier or a few hours earlier were not even sure what to make of him. And they were like, whose son are you? In other words, this will not only redefine you, it will redefine your family, your community, your generations. There are people here, your families are about to hit the headline because God is about to put you on the front line. This morning service is super prophetic. There is something that is already happening that God is about to reconfigure, rearrange, reposition. This is the reason you felt tired because the battle you're fighting is not just for yourself. If you can make it through, you pull your family through. You pull your ministry through. You pull all of kings through. If you can make it through. And so the enemy is trying his best to intimidate you.
said, whose son? I want to know your father. Because there is something about you that speaks of a history. That speaks of a journey. When you stand on that UN platform, I didn't say if, this is a word for somebody. You know, I start saying this, I start saying this thing when we're few, when, when people like Tammy were in that circle. See, some of you, you think it takes a lot of time. It doesn't take a lot of time. One of the major things it takes is this mind. And that's part of my assignment this month. That if you can get into a place, I'm going to show you a couple of G's this morning. Look at your neighbor and say, who's your G? Say, who's my guy? Right? I'm going to show you a couple of G's. That if you get into the groove of this G's, everything just shifts. Same David, different encounter. The first time we're not told who even led him, one of the servants of Saul did. The next time, it was the commander that was leading him. Why? Because when you become a commander in the spirit, commanders in the flesh will begin to look for you. When you assume where God has positioned you in the realm of the spirit, influencers will begin to accompany you. Oh my words. Something in you is about to become insanely attractive. Insanely attractive. There's about to be a compelling glow on your life. And it's going to be a glow, Demola, from within your spirit. It's going to be a burning light that will begin. Because this time, Kuga, he was carrying the head of Goliath. <laughs> Somebody, you're about to carry the head. You're about to carry the biggest and the highest parts of the things that cause the biggest problems. Are you ready for some instructions? The first thing I want to start with is, please be seated, God has an agenda. I say it often because I want you to realize that your life is not a personal project. Your life is a divine project. It's not a personal project. When you see your life as a divine project, you begin to take your life more seriously and life more seriously. Like heaven is literally counting on you in a manner of speaking. Paul, or the writer of Hebrews, speaks to us about a cloud of witnesses. Those who have gone ahead, who have gone beyond. When you go to Hebrews chapter 11, you're going to see this hall of fame or hall of faith about the exploits. And the Bible says that all these people, they did not even enter into the promise. Why? Because our own lives, our own stories are a continuum of their journey with God. What it means is, it's okay to talk about Noah and Daniel and Esther and Deborah, but can we also talk about Eli and Lara and Solomon? Can we also talk about Tolu and Biba? Can we also talk about that? Look at your neighbor, say your life is a significant story. Say many of you will be inspired by God's work in your life. But we please join me and celebrate Lara and the sanitation team. I've wanted to do this for a couple of weeks. Keeping that space clean. Sunday in, Sunday out, midweek services when we have them. We appreciate the work that you do. 
we appreciate the work that you do. The Lord will ensure that your life is always clean. No pollutant, no contaminant. You have a clean experience in your work, in your finances. Blood will not be dry. I will not be red. As you keep us comfortable, the Lord ensures that the elements that you need for your comfort, they are supplied. In the name of Jesus, for Laran, the whole team will celebrate every member of the team. That's Enoch, Tifer, Farouk, who else? John Benedict, Tolu. We love and celebrate you guys. Your life is a story. It's a continuum, right? So think about the fact that whatever irritation you might feel about the progress you think you should have made, that God actually has a stick in the timeline of your life. Think about it that way. The Bible says that Jesus, uh, the word in Isaiah, I sought for a man. I was looking for a man. So as you're looking for certain things, God is also looking for certain things. Fulfillment begins to happen when you align your pursuit with this pursuit. When you make sure that what you're looking for is what it's looking for. Are you getting that now? Now, once you understand this, you also realize that God doesn't just allow anything happen to you. If he allows there to be a problem, a challenge, a difficulty, an assignment, it's because it's a part of his construct for your life. It's a part of the journey you should take. And in our text, we see what seems to be an unfair setup. This is David. He's the youngest of eight sons. He should be enjoying his life. He should relax and be taken care of. The baby boy life. It was literally the baby boy. It was the boy, but it was the baby of the family. He should relax and be taken care of. But it seems like they're giving him responsibilities left, right, and center. First, we see that he's thrown in the wilderness. He's thrown in the jungle. He's left with sheep and is exposed to the wild to the degree that lions and bears become Possibly regular companions, maybe not frequent, but at least regular companions for him to have a track record of interfacing with them. Many times when you start out your journey, it's going to look like you are very, very distanced from what God has promised. Where you start out and where God is showing you, they will look very, very, very far, very far. Because here you are thinking about starting a unicorn, but then you have to fight a unicorn to build a unicorn. Oh, so y'all didn't get that. <laughs> right? Here you are trying to build a business. You're thinking about a business that does a billion dollars. That's a unicorn, right? You see, a lot of people, you want things, but you don't know the terms. Look at anybody say, speak the language of your future. Speak, tell that person, I will I say, you, 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 you. What videos do you watch? Do they look like your future? Tell that person, say, don't get lost when the language of your next level is being spoken. Sayapo is only the uni and the con they know, not the unicorn. They went to uni and they eat con. Live in Alagbadu. <laughs> but yeah, you could start out that way. It looks very far because you can be sure there are certain things that David did not even know in terms of militant technicality. There are certain things he did not know. The point I'm starting with is don't think that because you're frustrated, your journey is truncated. Don't think so. 
Don't think that because you're not popular does not mean you're not powerful. Don't think that the fact that you're unknown does not mean you're unknown to God. Because there are many moments of discouragement that will come in your life. There are many seasons of stress that will predate your coronation. There are many seasons of exasperation and exhaustion. It's important for you to know that. It's important for you to be prepared for that. The word does not say that Jesus imagined that there was no suffering. The Bible says that he endured the cross and he despised the shame. Those are two words that most people don't want to learn how to deploy. Part of your journey requires endurance. Endurance is not something somebody can give you. It's something you develop and demonstrate. Nobody gives you endurance. Can somebody give you endurance? So, wow, I have 10 kilograms of endurance to give you. No, you develop it by engaging the law of patience. <laughs> by keeping your eyes on the vision when it looks like nothing is working. By keeping your feet firmly, firmly on the rock when it looks like your knees are wobbly. It does not matter how wobbly your knees are. If you are standing on the rock, you are still standing tall. So you have to think about that. Now, he starts on the backside of nowhere and then they are sending him, you know, errand boy, take care of the ship and the bleating animals and stuff. And then they send him to the battlefield. It looks like he's being sent. Now notice something, the bigger the problems, the greater the rewards. The bigger the problems, the greater the visibility. The bigger the problems, the more significant the elevation. So here is the rule in life, if you solve small problems, you have small rewards. If you solve small problems, you have small promotion. If you solve small problems, you have small recognition. The reason Jesus is the greatest brand person on earth is that he solved the biggest problem come on now it's not just an, an unfair deal what was the biggest problem eternal death was a big problem separation from God why that was the problem that sponsored every other problem Sickness is an offshoot of the problem of separation from God. Poverty is an offshoot of the separation, man's separation from God. Envy, strife, lust, jealousy, backbiting, weakness, fatigue, intimidation. All those things are offshoots. Jesus solved the biggest problem. The Bible says, wherefore God has given him a name above every other name. That the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord. So the size of the problem determines the size of the solution or the, rather the size of the promotion. What it means is your current level in life is a reflection of the problems you are solving. Most believers don't like to think about it, but that's the truth. Wherever you are in life right now is defined by the problems you are paying attention to. The problems you solve keep you engaged. What keeps you engaged determines how well you'll be deployed. Therefore, if the problem you're solving is a personal problem, in other words, personal survival problem, which is the problem most people are solving, which is why most people remain small, because when personal survival becomes my goal, my world becomes as small as myself. Oh, come on, y'all. In other words, it's a small life that spends its entire to sustaining itself. Because 
the smaller the animal is, by animal, whether animal, creature, the smaller it is, the more it consumes on itself. If it's an amoeba, it spends almost all that ingests, ingests on itself. If it's a plant, it spends much of what it produces on itself. But the higher the life form, the more it's able to have energy, not just to sustain itself, but to deploy to other people. Are you following this now? This is the reason a baby cannot sustain a baby. It does not have enough composition, configuration, anatomical constructs to be able to supply what another life requires. So if you are currently small, can I propose to you is because you've been solving small problems. Oh, come on. Yes. Well, can we talk? What is the average problem people in this room are trying to solve? Tell me. Be honest. Personal needs. Like what? Finances for what? Specify. Rent. School fees. Transport. Food. Fill. Travel. Japa. Education. Masters. Taking care of family. Do you see that about 90% of this has to do with you? <laughs> As long as the problems you are solving have you at the center of your attention, you will remain small. You don't make mega moves with micro mindset. And I know this is not the happiest part of the message, but it's possibly one of the most significant parts of the message. Noah does not become the greatest uh, historian, the greatest architect, A-R-K, E-Tect in the world. <laughs> architect by making a canoe for himself and his family we will not have remembered him are you following this now if all he was doing was was that thing floating floating pool was that pool inflatable pool for himself and his family right <laughs> if all that Daniel was doing was self-preservation, he would not have exposed himself to the lions. In other words, self-preservation is a trap in destiny. That's why Jesus said, he that keeps his life will lose it. He that loses his life will keep it. That is the first thing you must have before I give you any tactic, that if I'm going to make giant strides, I must take on giant problems. Men of believers don't take on giant problems. Men of believers, they remove the G, the A, the N, and the T, and they keep the I, the I in the giants. They don't take on giant problems, they take on I problems. I want, I need, I wish, I will have, I, I, I. Please look at your neighbor. Say, how small are the problems you've been solving? <laughs> Real wealth does not come to people who just want to take care of themselves. Who are the richest people in Nigeria? The documented ones. Because the richest people in Nigeria, many of you don't know them. You might know one of them, Sha. <laughs> but there are many rich people in Nigeria that they, their names cannot be on the list. 
because come and explain to us so the people whose names are on the list who are they mention some of the names you should know some dangote or tedola micah denuga tony elumelu jimovia about to now what is common to all those people come let, let's talk about it what is what is the common denominator with all those people service to who to a large network of people so dangote has a salt in your house is sugar in your house is flour in your house spaghetti in your house the cement is in the walls of your please look at your neighbor say in whose house are you represented the only house some of you are in was blue house in your secondary school the more pervasive the problems you solve are the more powerful you become in that space what made David popular that day was not his potential, what was the problem he solved. Oh, come on, y'all. Talk to me, people. It was not the fact that he had killed the lion and his way. It wasn't, it wasn't his past records. Even though that helped open a door. It was the problem he solved. And one key problem with many believers is many believers just want to solve me problems. Lord, sort me out. Lord, take care of me. Lord, give me a house. Lord, give me a, a husband. Lord, give me a problem. <laughs> giant moves require giant problems. In other words, taking on an assignment that is bigger than your current consignment. That's the first thing. That's the first thing. That's the first thing. Paul is significant all across the world and all across history because he solved a problem. What was the problem? The problem of articulating what Christ had done because Christ was no longer physically here. So how do we explain the details? That was a big problem, particularly in the early church. It's still a problem today. He solved the problem. Now, most of us think that Paul just wrote letters. Those letters were solutions. Because in those letters, he addressed marriage. Yes. What men should do, what women should do, what older women should do, what younger women should do, what pastors should do, what new believers should do, what spiritual warfare is. His letters were problem solvers. Look at your neighbor, say, what problems are you solving? Oh, some of you not saying it, Ellie, you look like you're contemplative this morning. But look for someone, say, what problems are you solving? Or Gaza, or Gamma. You have to think about it critically. David was on the backside of nowhere, but what was he doing? It was not while in the way time. So being obscure is not the guarantee to your promotion. It's the problem you are solving in obscurity that guarantees your promotion. Because it will make you feel like it's just a matter of time. No, it's a matter of process. Because time can pass and you are not engaging the process of growth. Oh, can we speak? What problems are you solving? The problems you solve determine whose attention you get. Solve small problems, get the attention of small people. Now, when I say small problems, a small problem can be a big problem if many small people have that small problem. 
So hunger is a small problem, but it's a big problem because many people are hungry. Transportation is a small problem, but it's a big problem because many people lack transportation. What problems are you solving? Elon Musk is solving big problems. How do I get internet coverage all across the earth? How do I have cars that don't deplete the ozone layer? What problems are you solving? What problem are we solving as kings? We are trying to place a kingdom influencer in every system of every generation of every nation. You're trying to have a kingdom influencer literally in every space where there are human beings in the world. That's a big problem. Oh, only people here are excited about that big problem. How many of you know this will require designers, articulators, teachers, presenters, facilitators, pastors, coordinators, administrators? How many of you know it's going to require all of that? Big problems. Can I just ask you, open up your heart beyond yourself. Look beyond yourself. The first law in discipleship is that if you will follow me, you must deny yourself first. Deny yourself of the obsession with your own problem. Why? Your problem is too small compared to the grace I've allocated to your destiny. And many of us need to be reminded of that. That God said, your father knows what you need. He says, look at the birds of the air. They don't toil, they don't spin. Yet Solomon, who is the wisest human, according to history, was not even as well-dressed as that person. If you are a tailor, stop solving problems of how can I look like the finest person? No. Say, how can I solve clothing problems for one million teenagers or one million people? How can I be the counselor to, uh, to 10,000 leaders over the next two or three years? Take on big problems. Are you hearing what I'm saying? How see Bill Gates? The first big problem: how to place a computer in every home. How old was he then? He was in his 20s. Why? Your age must never be a limitation on your vision. It was a big problem. Now today it doesn't look like a big problem. But in the 80s, that was a major problem. Are you here? How do I place a computer in every home? Has that happened or not? Oh, yeah. Pretty much. Then it's moved to another problem. What's the problem? He wants to eradicate malaria. These are big problems. Has he ever had malaria? I doubt it. In other words, if you're going to make giant strides, you must be willing to take on giants that have not even threatened you. <laughs> David had not been in the battlefield for 40 days. He got there after 40 days. Yet, when he hears this and he sees all the soldiers jittery and petrified, he was like, ah, what's going on here? Sometimes you must be angry at what's making God's people angry. You must have this irritation. How can there be believers that are starving? One of my heart cries to be able to build a resort in one of our cities or around one of our cities where once or twice a year, pastors from all over the world can just come on sponsored trips and they can have three to four days where we'll spoil their wives in the spa and wellness center and give the pastors some therapy and some mind work. Are you getting what I'm saying? Are you hearing what I'm saying? And just give them a massage treatment because a lot of pastors go through so much tension that they themselves don't even know how damaging it is. So they're in their late 50s and early 60s and 
certain things begin to happen in their health. Take on a challenge that is bigger than you. If you want to see God's power at work in your life, if you want to see God's glory at work in your life, if you want to see God's grace at work in your life, please look beyond yourself and look beyond your bills because God did not die just to give you your next meal. High five somebody beside you see big problems big challenges big things big deals giant how you should be asking how do i distribute a million clothes over the next 10 years do you know that the problems you take on will determine the ideas you notice I said it last week or two weeks ago that for as long as your problem has been how to parent, you find a way to do it. Don't you? You might do it a week late or two months late, but you do it. You've paid all the rents you needed to pay. Imagine if you took on the bills of 100 orphans every year. You will find a way. Maybe not the first year, but by the second or the third year, something will open up. Many of you might not know, but for about six months, Kenneth, how long have we been feeding people in the community? November, October, was after our anniversary, November. For six months, please do a calculation of all the meals for us. For six months, we've served dozens of meals, scores of meals every Thursday right in this facility. We've not put the pressure on anybody. We've not come to mind. Why? Once you get a vision bigger than yourself, the resources will begin to come. Oh, some of you are not responding the way. I'm talking about grants and millions of dollars. I'm talking about billions. I'm talking about that God wants to resource the body of Christ, but we must look beyond maintaining services. And buying better microphones, even though we need to buy better microphones. <laughs> we must look beyond that. High five your neighbor, say the giant is so big, but you are bigger. <laughs> That's the premise. I want to give you a couple of G's. I possibly can touch only two of them in the service, and I'll do the rest in the next service. The very first thing, once you've established the size, what's that problem? Now, you don't have to go and be looking for the problems. One of two things will happen. Either you already have that problem yourself, or that problem stands out for you when you get to the battlefield. So, for example, at the battlefield, there were many problems at the battlefield. People needed food. That's why it was there. So people were hungry, but David didn't say, let me go and start a food business. So not every problem speaks to your, gen to your genes. Not every problem speaks to your gift mix, to your grace combo. There is a gift grace combo you have that determines the problems that are shouting at you. problems of helplessness and loss of control shouts at me. That's why dominion, kingship, and from a place of wisdom and articulation is a big part of what I do. Because I hate people suffering, especially over things that are not that difficult. That is the key. When David heard somebody say, eh, who's this uncircumcised Philistine? In that moment, he moved from errand boy to problem solver. There must be a giant problem that brings out the king in you. 
there's a problem that calls on your destiny, that pulls on you. When I see people with great gifting and potential, great ability, there's something about my spirit that says this must be deployed for the kingdom. This must be raised for the kingdom. For thou hast created all things and for thy pleasure they are and were created. High five your neighbor until their countenance lights up and say stop settling for small problems. Take on some giant problems. Take on some big problems. Either in the depth of it or the intensity of it or the quantity of it. It might be a small problem but if many people have it then it's a big problem. So have a big mind that says I want to clear this out on God's behalf. And then the tactics, the first tactic is God, God first. Because when you see that giant problem, if you look through the spectacles of your history, you'll be intimidated. How do you raise one billion souls when you're just a few hundred people? <laughs> and you want to do it in the next 14 or so years. How do you do that? You can't do it by yourself. It takes God. But guess what? We have God. It takes God, we have God, it means we have what it takes. Yeah. <laughs> I, I wish I could just en encourage somebody right now that there is no problem that is so big that God says, yeah. Even though he rules from the east to the west, he never says, yeah. Oh, y'all, y'all didn't get that. Yeah, the next year. There is no problem that is so big that Jesus doesn't say, Jesus, oh, I'm Jesus. It's no problem. When David got to the battlefield, see what the text says. He says, you come against me with stones and with spears, but I come against you in the name of the Lord. He understood something that giants may be big, but even giants were created by God. I need somebody to help me right now. I need somebody to help me understand what David was really saying. This was a giant problem. The Bible records that he was six cubits and a span. That's when you converted to meters, he was about three meters tall. So this was intimidatingly big and huge. The Bible says that he had 5,000 shekels was the, was the size of the coat he was wearing. Now that's 57 kilograms. In other words, uh, Goliath's coat was almost my weight. Anybody who's around 60 kg or 62 kg or 63 kg, come on, if you're about 60 kg, can you stand? If you don't know your kg, that's quite a challenge. Uh, you don't know your kg yet, so you want to marry an EKG. <laughs> Stand, stand. So is 50, if you're between 55 and 65 kg, can you stand? Okay. The rest of you are what? <laughs> okay. <laughs> now re remain standing. Now imagine a whole PLAN or a whole PLT or a whole Mr. Lucia being the weight of the armor that Goliath was carrying. What he wore was the weight of one of the people standing. In other words, what I used to carry myself or cover myself is bigger than possibly David's size. He's about one and a half times David's height. 
And then the king said, you cannot defeat him because you are a youth, but he's been fighting battles from his youth. In other words, before they burn you, you don't they burn people. But guess what? Goliath, you are high, but you are not the most high. Goliath, you are tall, but even if your name is taller, my God is taller. Goliath, you have a coat of mail, but I'm going to put you in quotes. You're going to become a caption in my, in my victory story. Goliath, you've got shekels, 57 kilograms, but my God is immeasurable, is strong, is powerful, is huge. You start with God. Stop talking about the greatness of your problem. Stop talking about the greatness of your God. Then there is no giant that God didn't create, and there is no giant that God can not dominate. There is no country that God didn't create and there is no country that kings will not dominate. There is no industry that God didn't create and there is no industry that kings will not influence. I am telling you under God we need to reclaim our God audacity, our God-sized vision and courage. David, I'm talking about you this morning. Don't give me a long face. David, shout and say God is able. David, stand on your feet and shout God is able. Somebody throw up your two hands oh God is able there's a song we used to sing in Bible school or in Sunday school my God is so big so strong and so mighty there is nothing my God cannot do my God can heal cancer my God still heals arthritis my God still makes ways where there seems to be no way my God can take a 27 year old and put him on the board of the biggest fintech in the world. My God can take a nobody and make him a somebody in spite of everybody. I don't know who exactly this is for, but Farouk, you better get ready because your God is about to move you from far on a hook to where he's taking you to. You better get ready, get, get, get. Who am I speaking to? God is more than able. Confront that opposition with God. Speak to that growth in your body and say, die in the name of Jesus. Speak to that weariness speak to that depression speak to that fatigue and shout God at it can we practice that think about any Goliath in your life and in your industry and in your space and shout God shout hold that image in your mind and shout God can you try it one more time God is lifting somebody from the doldrums. He did it for Joseph, he will do it for you. He did it for David, he will do it for you. He did it for Daniel, he will do it for you. He did it for Esther, he will do it for you. He did it for Deborah, he will do it for you. Nobody believed that the woman could be used to bring the victory to Israel. But the Bible says, I, Deborah, a wife of Lapidoth, who sat under the palm tree, I arose. Some Deborahs are about to rise. Some women are about to solve some giant problems. Somebody's about to eradicate corruption with an app. Somebody's about to reduce infant mortality rate with an idea. Somebody's about to serve orphans food for free. Somebody's about to clothe kings in their millions. Somebody is about to be one of the fastest rising authors on Okada books or Amazon. Somebody's inventive device around education, consultant training 
lightning is about to change the whole landscape. Your God is not a small God. Stop keeping God small. Stop keeping God small in your life. Stop keeping God small as your food giver. He is that but is more than that. As your sickness healer, he is that but is more than that. Why are you keeping God small in your life? If he's small enough to feed you, he's small enough, he's big enough to feed millions through you. Stop having a selfish perspective of God where you just hide my God. He's your God but he wants to show himself strong in all the earth. Somebody shout my God is big and he's bigger than every problem in my life. Say I will not keep God small in my life. I will keep God big, big enough to build estates through me, big enough to heal through me, big enough to bring millions to the gospel through me, big enough to pack out the king's business and career expo with thousands of people. Stop keeping God small. Help me go to three people and tell them don't keep him small in your life. Don't keep him small in your life. First thing is God. Isaiah chapter 45. Remain standing. I'm almost done in the service. Ooh. Isaiah 45. Then David said, Isaiah 45, sorry, Isaiah 45. Said to God, God thus says the Lord God to Cyrus, my anointed. He said, Whose right hand I have held to subdue what? God said, when my hand comes upon you, it does not come for my, my things. Yes, sir. God, I want to see your hand. What do you want his hand for? So I can sell 10 units of my puff puff. You don't need God's hand for that. You need your brain for that. If God's hand comes upon you, it comes for nations and generations. It comes for big things. So except you can show us how the 10 puff puff is securing nations and generations, it's a small thing. Go and check the Bible. Everybody God used in the Old Testament and in the New Testament, including Paul. He said, Paul, I'm an apostle to the Gentile nations. <laughs> so there are different parts of that role, like Rhoda, who opens the door for Peter, who was sent to the Jewish nations. But whatever that role is, you must find the beeline to nations and generations for it to be a God thing. For anything, God hides nations and individuals. Oh, yeah. God said there are two nations in your wombs, but you are nations nonetheless. In other words, if you God sent you to one-on-one -on -one evangelism, coaching, therapy, treat that person like a nation. Because the eunuch coming to Africa was one person. When Philip spoke to that person, he became an ambassador to many parts of Africa. Parts of Africa had received the gospel because in Acts chapter 2, the people from Africa that were there. But God planted the eunuch who had direct access to the queen. And that took the gospel to another level. Somebody is about to make a mega move. The first move, I can see many of you moving in your mind. Somebody's like, but if I don't take care of my what will happen? Have you ever seen the president worried about bread and fish? When you enter your office, your resources will locate you. The reason you're running after Moi Moi is because you are not sitting as the president. Sit as king and resources will come. 
I must celebrate and thank you for appreciating me and celebrating me on my birthday and all of that. But guess what? This morning, resources are still coming for my birthday. I had an event, business event at Dream Space on Friday. Somebody that I was meeting for the first time, he had been following me since 2007, by the way, but still brought me gifts. When you sit as king, gifts are commanded to find you. The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. There are certain things that are footstools. Don't make them thrones. There are things you step on to do the work God has called you to do. Not things you sit on to give you a sense of validation. Resources are your footstool. They are not your crown. God's grace is your crown. God's wisdom is your crown. God's glory is your crown. Resources are under your feet. Are you getting that? It's first of all an ideology before it becomes an experience. It's a revelation before it becomes the pattern. So look at what it says. It says, I've held in my right hand to run. Because I'm going to the island. Right hand I've held to subdue what? Nations where? Before him. Please come. And to loose the armor of kings to open before him the please can you give me the one that says large doors can you give me maybe amplified classic so that the gates will not be shut give me a similar translation very quickly anybody getting something this morning God's message to his anointed, to Cyrus, whom he took by the hand to give the task of taming the nations. Catch your neighbor say you will tame the nations. Why do you need to tame the nations? Because the nations are wild. The streets are wild. But guess what? God often takes people who tame nations into the wilderness. Because if the streets are wild, I'm wilder. I've been in the wilderness. Oh, you're not getting that. So Chris could jump Chris. And Chris could erase Chris. You have to have that intense, I've got God leading me. It says, to, of terrifying their kings, he gave him free reign, no restrictions. Verse 2, I'll go ahead of you. What will I do? Clearing and paving the road. How would you move in a jungle if you knew a bulldozer was right in front of you? How would you, would you move tentatively if there's a bulldozer clearing the craggy rocks and breaking the tree trunks and exposing the antelopes? Well, I come to tell you, it's not just a bulldozer. He's the bulldozer of bulldozers. He's a flaming sword. He's a burning fire. He's a raging storm. He can clear any pathway. And God says, I am with you. If God be for you, perfecter, tell me, Uche, tell me, who can be against? you high five three people and tell them God first say God's sized boldness say go with God say God's got you on this you are not a loser you are not lousy you are not lost you are not battered you are not broken God said I'll break down bronze city gates I'll smash padlocks I'll kick down bird and 
entrances. I will do all of that for you. Imagine it in your mind. You've got to use your imagination and see God at work entering into the nations before you, entering into the boardroom ahead of you, entering into the proposal space before you. You've got to start with God. Oh, is somebody engaged in this? Some of you are looking at me like I can help you. I've helped you with the word. Now help yourself by engaging it in prayer. I've held you by the hand. I've held you by the hand. So as you are going, you're going with me. We spoke about marching. We said that last week. It says, I will march with you. March. Somebody engage that. See, for you to fight Goliath, you must be sure God is with you. You must be sure. You must be sure. Because, <laughs> see, Goliath is not imaginary. For David, Goliath is a physical being. You can see him with his coat of mail. He can see that this is either divine or death. That is what unlocks the mecca in you. Have you not noticed that for the biggest things you've done, there was a season of anxiety, authenticiveness, where you're like, let's do it. And you did it and you did not die. Where is that warrior? I call that warrior out of you. I call that fighter out of you. I call that child killer out of you. I call that city taker out of you. I call that territory taker out of you. I call the adventurous kingdom ambassador out of here. What will you do with a drum network? Think about something big. What will you do? There are many people here who are knowledge driven. You have templates, blueprints. Not everybody will be authors, but some of you are process designers. You are curriculum creators. What will you do? What will you do with the gifts? I'll talk about that in the second service. What will you do, John Benedict, with your nice designs? What will you do? You know, like students, what will you do, Biba, with that gift of articulation? What will you do? Will you jump in front of a camera? Will you do a, a live session? What will you do if you knew God was with you? I came to tell you God is with you. God is with you. God is with you. Stop wasting God by waiting endlessly, tirelessly with complaining. Stop making your problem your focus. It's too small. Stop making that pressing need the entire definition of your life. It's too small. God is bigger than that. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. What will you do with the God in here? That is the first of a number of G's I'm going to give you. God on the inside. God on the inside. God on the inside. I want someone to get a bit angry in their spirit this morning and begin to possess their possession. The Bible says that the violent takes it by force. I want somebody to begin to open their eyes in the spirit that they begin to see the things that God has lined up for them according to destiny. I want somebody to open their eyes in the spirit and ask that God, 
my understanding are enlightened uh, to see that they who are with me are more than they who are against me in the name of Jesus. Uh, somebody begin to see and realize uh, that you can have a double portion uh, of what you even desire for the Bible says that God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that you can ever think or imagine. Uh, Pastor Dami said something so powerful that self-preservation is a trap in destiny. Self-preservation is a trap in destiny. Have you not realized that, that the more you try to help yourself, the more you are looking for help to help yourself? Uh, have you not realized that, that the more you try, the more you keep on trying and trying and trying? Uh, how about we shift the agenda? How about we change the agenda? How about we change the focus right now? Pastor Dami said that God hides nations in individuals. Oh, God hides nations in individuals. So as we sit down here today, we are nations seated together. The Ecclesia of God. Somebody get angry in your spirit. One more minute. I press in, I press in. Oh, we are just coming out of immersion. That fire cannot be over. That fire cannot be out already. Never. I'm a missile sent into my generation, and I will not miss my targets. I'm a missile sent into my generation, and I will not miss my targets. I'm a missile sent into my generation, and I will not miss my targets. In Jesus' mighty name we have prayed. Father, we thank you for filling us with the audacity of who you are, with the confidence that we carry God and God carries us. Thank you, Father, because indeed we are relevant in time and celebrated in eternity. Thank you, Father, because we do big things with ease and with speed in the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you, Father, because we have the boldness and audacity to solve the problems that are coming in our way. We no longer run away from opposition, but we run towards opposition because we run towards our promotion. Thank you, Father, for great grace. Every distraction is distracted. Every opposition is opposed. Every mountain is brought low. Every valley is exalted. Every jagged place is made smooth. Every crooked path is made straight. We press in. We persevere. We endure. We do not relent. We do not give up. We do not throw in the towel. We do not say no just before the big break comes through. We are tougher than the battles, tougher than the oppositions. We stay winning in Jesus' mighty name. In Jesus' mighty name. Somebody celebrate God loud, 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 loud in the name of Generation is rising on an emerging generation of kings. 
To join this growing community of kings, visit www.kingdomcentral.org and send your full name and email address to 0908-123-4566. One more thing, someone you know needs this. Kindly share this out.